Welcome to the seventh episode of the Grace Lace Podcast. Today we are talking about a phrase you have probably heard me mention in the last few months. Have you ever tried to do something so perfectly that it wore you out or worked really hard to succeed at a task and found the end result disappointing that what you thought would make you feel accomplished ended up making you feel doubtful instead? Well, today we are talking about how striving in our everyday lives can never satisfy us and how grace fuels what striving cannot. That is what we're talking about today. Grace fuels what striving cannot. And Ruth and I are just going to unpack it a little bit here today for you. So Ruth, I'm going to kick us off just being kind of transparent. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about a scenario when we have strived or hustled and it felt like it didn't matter, like we were still lacking at the end of it. So that question for me takes me all the way back to college, like 20 years ago. I remember going into college and feeling like I had to be the very best at all the things. Like I had some academic success in high school. And I went in with so much pressure feeling like, okay, I was a bio and chem double major pre-med. And it was like, you got to knock it out of the park. You got to do all the things. And by the grace of God, I made some okay grades. But I remember after that first year, after my freshman year, I came home and I was like mentally, emotionally, (laughs) physically, spiritually exhausted. Like I had just worked my hardest and it didn't even matter. Like, what am I even working for? And I remember conversations with my mom about how I was going to have to let go of some of that. <laughs> so that's my striving story. Eve, I don't think I realized how much we were alike in college. Yeah, I know. Um, because you know, I detail a little bit about my biochem college days um, in my newest book, When Striving Cease, where this is where this idea of grace fueling what striving cannot really comes out of this work that I've spent just taking time to write my story of how grace became the cornerstone, the most important part of my everyday life. And, you know, my most recent recollection of, well, it was this morning, right? Striving this morning. (laughs) No, but my most recent recollection of what it feels like to strive or hustle and still come up feeling like I'm lacking and missing um, the key somehow really has to do with this last fall when um, I wrote this book about striving in about the industry. Striving. Yes, about striving. And so before we get too far, I think it's important for our listeners to just know what I'm talking about. What I mean by striving is all striving, is all effort bad? No, but striving, really striving in our own strength, that kind of like, I, I really define it as manipulating or controlling or trying really hard, anxiously working overtime to make things work out so that you can achieve or acquire or gain for yourself something you don't quite trust God for. So let's say it's self-worth. Let's say it's a sense of purpose. None of those things are bad, right? Self-worth, sense of purpose, belonging, feeling loved. None of those things are bad. But when we start controlling or manipulating or hustling in order to get something for ourselves and rather than going to God for worth, belonging. Yeah, we're forcing it. Yes, we're really forcing it. And of course, we're anxious. Of course, we're exhausted. (laughs) So I would imagine that your 
relating that partly to just the way college was for you too, when you're striving really hard to be the number one at everything, right? Being the best, being the best student. Um, I have my version of that, but my version most recently is that I'm talking about not measuring success, not striving to be seen and loved, not looking to numbers and achievements for approval and really welcoming the grace of God as -hmm. your identity and as your self-worth. I wrote about all this and (laughs) I was writing a book in an industry that likes to measure your success, that is paying attention to algorithm, right? We're we're all on social media, wondering if our message is getting out, what's the algorithm doing today, (laughs) how many books are being sold, how many downloads on a podcast, which this is new, but you know, (laughs) last fall, the pressure's on, the pressure is on when you create something and you want it to succeed. So the honest and vulnerable truth is it was really hard to live the very message that I had spent so much time crafting because that very message was one of going to Jesus for my total identity, my every, my very self-worth and mm-hmm. not measuring success as the means for assurance and approval. And that's really hard in a world where we're constantly measuring. Yeah. And it seems funny to say it out loud sometimes, right? Like, of course, as women who are like, we want to love Jesus with our whole hearts and we're following him, like our identity is in Christ. Like we can rest in that. But when it comes down to the day to day, it is really hard to find that. I think, you know, the identity in Christ and resting in that probably really is the antidote to kind of this striving mentality. But before we even get to identity, let's talk about what grace really is. If we're saying that's what fuels the things that our striving cannot, how would you describe grace? I think going to the word for God's word to show us the incredible gift of grace is the best way to define it, right? Unmerited favor, um, undeserved love and welcome. Grace is basically being given a gift that you did nothing to earn. And Paul says it best in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. And this is really just after Paul says, hey, you used to be dead in your sin and trespasses, like dead people can't do anything. You can't save yourself no matter what you do. And you know, it was written in ancient times, but if he was writing it for the now, he'd be like, none of your hustle, none of your like goal setting, none of your being the best at everything can save you. And so you were dead in all your self-striving. And then verse eight, for by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works or striving or hustle or being the best or achievement so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Like we have things to do for him, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that definition because Paul is basically saying, you're created, you were created on purpose for a purpose. He has things for you to do with the one precious life you've been given, but the only fuel that drives your ability to even step into the purpose God's called you to is the grace of God, the gift of Christ Jesus transforming your life that has nothing to do with 
you being amazing. Oh, I just love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, it kind of goes against this idea of you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? It's like, no, like I can't even rest in my own identity that's been given to me by God unless I lean into the grace that he's given me to do so. I think sometimes we tell ourselves, hey, I got to stop striving. I got to start, you know, anxiously trying to hustle and work so hard at my goals as if my whole life depended on it. But we forget that you can't lay that down unless you have something better in its place. Yeah. And so what we're talking about today is the grace of God doesn't just keep us from being self-reliant, which it does. It teaches us that we cannot make ourselves the hero of our own lives, but it replaces that need to control everything and to fix our own lives and save ourselves. It replaces that with the fuel of God's grace that really delivers true identity in Christ. And so how do we start applying that? How do we remember our identity in Christ and then live it in our everyday lives? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> like, yes. how do we remember? I think it reminds me of what we even talked a little bit about in the Preaching Truth to Ourselves mm -hmm. podcast about going back to the Word of God and like physically looking at it, remembering, forcing ourselves to remember. One of my favorite spots to do that for identity is Paul again in Ephesians, just a little bit earlier in chapter one. And I won't read the whole thing to you, but let me just pick out a few of these like identity statements that I know I come back to regularly or oh, probably should come back to more regularly. Eve, I'm going to just close my eyes and let you like speak this over <laughs> me because I'm sure just like most people who are listening, I mean, I've had a day where I've already been feeling a little of that tension of like, I need yeah. to save myself. I need to fix my life. Okay. So give it to us. Okay. He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. In love, predestined us for adoption. Amen. We have redemption, forgiveness, the riches of his grace lavished upon us. He's made known the mystery of his will. We have an inheritance. I mean, it goes on and on. This whole first chapter just pours out. I'm so glad you read that, Eve. I mean, that's right there for us. It's Ephesians 1. I mean, you yeah. can go back and read it for yourself, friends. But the thing that is a marvel to me is that all of that, as you read it over me, and I know that it's true because I'm in Christ, I'm a Christ follower that knows that the, all those are truly my inheritance in Christ. Eve, is that not the sum of all those things really is the fuel that gets us up in the morning and says, wow, wow. I have a reason to step out in faith. I do not have to be afraid. Uh, my future is secure. Um, whether I am happy or not, is not dependent on whether I control all my circumstances. Yeah. I have these things secure in my life. And so my goodness, like if you think about, um, it's a funny example, but you know, when Troy sends me to a certain gas station, because he's like, that's the fuel you need in your car. That's going to help your car run <laughs> yeah. better. Because if it's not a diesel, you should not put a diesel, you should not put diesel right. fuel in your car. It's a good way to- It will not work ruin your car. Um, but even within the right fuel, he's, he'll say, this is the better fuel that's intended yep. for your car. Go get that fuel because yeah. what your car was meant to run on is going to make it run better. 
That's what we mean by the grace of God fueling the very purpose God's called us to. We keep turning to other fuels. Can we just name things off the top of our heads? Um, The fuel of approval. Mm -hmm. The fuel of financial stability. Oh, amen. The fuel of being loved or wanted, accepted. The fuel of getting uh, an award or a promotion. Yeah. What else? The fuel of looking like I want to, like my body image being Mm. exactly as I hoped it would be. Convicted. Convicted. The (laughs) fuel of having obedient or perfect children or a perfect home, feeling like I look at all my work has paid off. I now have all the circumstances that I really want. Yeah. And it's right. All of those things will fuel us to some extent, right? Like they will cause us to take action and do things. But like you said, it's not the best fuel. It's not the thing that really sustains us for like the long haul of driving that vehicle or completing the task that God has set before us. It might work for a little bit, but it's not the thing that gets us to the finish line. Because what we were, you know, not to relate us to cars, but what we were created (laughs) to run on and what we were made to be fueled by is the grace of God, friends. If you are in Christ, all that you've just read to us, that's what's meant to fuel you and sustain you and keep you to eternity. Yeah. So if that's true, and it is, (laughs) what does it feel like emotionally for you? Like when you are operating out of like a secure identity in Christ, you're remembering those truths, you're rehearsing them, you've Mm -hmm. got the good fuel. What does it feel like in like a day-to-day thing for you? Yep. I can see a total difference in my life even. I think that's why, you know, for our friends who've done the truth-filled Bible study that I wrote a few years ago with Lifeway, um, we talk about our identity in Christ even out of the book of Colossians because it's the truth that replaces the lies in my head. So I will wake up in the morning and I've said this before and I'll say it again. I am like already talking to myself. It's Paul David Tripp that says, you know, no one is as influential as you are because nobody talks to yourself as much as as you do. do. Right. (laughs) I mean, that is absolutely the truth. I wake up in the morning and before my phone even goes off with a text or I turn my phone on, my brain is already filled with lots and lots of things that may not be true about my life, about my circumstances, about my future. And so what it looks like for me, Eve, is that if I replace those thoughts with my true identity in Christ, then I don't operate out of fear. I don't operate out of FOMO. I don't operate out of thinking that I'm going to completely miss out on God's best for me if I don't control or hustle or make it all happen exactly the way I think I have to. Because if the most important thing about my life is already secure in Christ, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added, right? Paraphrasing. But the truth is, when my identity in Christ is secure, then what can circumstances do to me? What can other people do to me? What can disapproval from somebody do to me? What can not having a work that I do, a book that I write, or a podcast that I I speak on, what can those things not being crazy successful do to me, right? Yeah. I think that there, for me, when I'm operating out of that secure identity, it just feels like freedom in a lot of ways, which I think is exactly what you were describing. Like, There's not as much tension about like, oh, am I doing enough? Am I being enough? 
Is it working? Is it not working? How can I re-strategize? What do I need to pivot for? It's like there's a, a peace and a freedom to say like, okay, the biggest things have been taken care of. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of the end of Romans chapter eight, which we were just talking about in our staff meeting this very week about yeah. like, if God is for us, who can be against us? Like mm-hmm. nothing is going to separate us from his love. Amen. We can sit in that. We can rest in that. We can abide in that. And when we do, it feels like freedom. Absolutely. Okay. So as we kind of wrap things up, our favorite questions, here we go. From our conversation, we've talked about a lot of scripture, but if you had to boil it down to like one phrase or one sentence, what is the gospel truth from our conversation today? The gospel truth for me is that I don't have to be amazing, that God's not, God didn't save me so that I could be impressive or amazing. I simply need to surrender and trust him to do the work in my life that I so long to see. Yeah, absolutely. And why that matters is because it it really affects day to day, right? Like you talked about, and I know I have experienced that morning time wake up when all of the thoughts start flooding and I start thinking about how I can manipulate the day or control the circumstances. I'm I'm not usually the most gracious with like my husband, my children. <laughs> like it matters because it affects relationships. My internal yeah. angst, like yeah. the level that I'm working at, um, really does change how I interact with the rest of the day, how I interact with the Lord that day, how often I turn to him that day. All of those things really do get changed by if I'm resting in my identity or not. And could we sum that up by saying what fuels us is ultimately what overflows from us, right? Yeah. So that's a great way to put it. Okay. So in light of that, all the things that we have talked about that we agree with wholeheartedly, now comes down to the nitty gritty. What's the one small thing that you can do that I can do to kind of put this in practice, to say like, yes, I believe this, and now I will act in this one small way, not huge change, like I will reorganize my entire life, but like one small way to apply the truth of the gospel. You know, I talk all the time about wanting to remember my identity in Christ, but when I think about the number of times I have to hop on a Zoom call in an important meeting or do an interview or whatever it is that I have to do from my desk that's like really weighty and important, I'm kind of surprised I don't just have the scriptures that remind me of my identity of Christ sitting on my mm. desk. And so honestly, as practical as it sounds, I'm going to write it out and have that on my desk because before I jump on a Zoom call and join a conversation or, or record something that's really important, I'm just going to remind myself what is true because I think Eve too often I'm led by that sense of, I got to prove my worth. I got to mm. nail this. I got to do so well here. And I enter into a space with um, fear and angst rather than freedom. And so I'm going to look down and remind myself of my identity Christ before I hop on those meetings. Yeah. I mean, lucky for you, I happen to know this person who has like really beautiful handwriting to like make a list. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm serious. Now I'm like, wait, do we not have a print? Do we not have a print? (laughs) No, seriously. Do we not have a print in Gracely Shop with all our- No, we definitely don't. Okay. Noted. Revisit that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Okay. So my small thing is similar. I think I get, it's real easy for me to to just jump in when I sit down at my desk to like jump into the work and then 
it may or may not involve a lot of hustle and striving. So I think I just need to pause and pray before I start my work. Like, look at the agenda, look at the things that the Lord has given me to do for that day and say like, okay, God, I'm yours. You've already secured all the things that I need. Help me to steward these things well instead of manipulating them Mm-hmm. to be what I think they should be. Well, that's so good, Eve. And I'm going to take yours too. I think I'm going to use <laughs> both of our one small yeah. things and um, apply that. And so friends, I we, we pray that this conversation is just one small encouragement and one quick moment in your day where you can be reminded that what is true about you is what Jesus says about you and that we can lay our strivings down when our identities are secure in Him. Want to hear more about this topic? I have a feeling that for many of you, there's a target run in your near future. Did you know that while you're picking up razors for your husband, diapers for the baby, or a few grocery items, you can also grab a copy of my book, When Striving Cease. Grab your copy at your local Target today.